The Oscars are this weekend. This is like your professional Super Bowl. <laughs> it is. But this is like having my team in the Super Bowl because right. I've been following these movies since they were released. The right. whole award show season circuit. So it's like, it's the big game, baby. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait for the show. I can't wait for the Vanity Fair coverage. Can't wait for the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Of course. I mean, that's almost bigger than the Oscars itself. The outfit change between the ceremony and the Oscar party. That is my, my favorite. favorite. What they wear to the Oscar party is always better than what always. they wear to that actual Oscars. Because the Oscars are like, here I am amongst my peers right. competing for a very prestigious award. And right. then the Vanity Fair party comes along and it's like, let's party. Right. Like, totally. statuette or not, I'm here to turn out a look, eat some in and out and have a good time. Totally. You're listening to a special bonus episode of Inside the Hive, where Vanity Fair writers tackle the week's news in politics, media, and entertainment. I'm Beth Slevin, a politics correspondent at Vanity Fair. And I'm Maggie Coughlin, senior Vanity's editor. This is the latest in a series of bonus episodes with Vanity Fair writers from in and outside of the Hive. It's in addition to the regularly scheduled programming from co-hosts Joe Hagan and Emily Jane Fox. Do you have thoughts on Republican elected officials of the male variety? Have we got a show for you. When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before, there's never been anything like this. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, <laughs> globalists, open border zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Carl Rove, and Jeb Bush. That was Donald Trump earlier this week at the Conservative Political Action Conference, also called CPAC. Just the latest example of the toxic stew that this guy is offering up to the base. Nothing new. He won the 2020 election. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Here he is, folks. Stirring the pot. Yeah. Making that stew. Stirring that stew. <laughs> making that <laughs> making that entree soup. <laughs> Joe Biden is a criminal and nothing ever seems to happen to him. Because, you know, say what you want, but the Democrats stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney. They don't have guys like that. They, they stick together. How's Mitt Romney doing? Not too good. And yet they go after me over and over again about something that's not even a crime. They make up Russia, 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 which was a plan made up by crooked Hillary Clinton, Adam Shifty Schiff, and the Democrats, the DNC. You're probably well aware of Donald Trump's thing for giving his perceived enemies nicknames. We have to report that if you didn't know, there is an entire Wikipedia page called List of Nicknames Used by Donald Trump. And it is lengthy. It's broken down by domestic political figures, foreign leaders, media figures, groups of people, other people, organizations, television programs, miscellaneous, um, etc. A lot of sleepy. We got sleepy Ben Carson. John Bolton is Mr. Tough Guy. Slimeball James Comey. Ted Cruz. Lion Ted. Texas Ted. And then Beautiful Ted. <laughs> Obviously, most people are going to know Crooked Hillary. Low um, Energy Jeb. Low Energy Jeb. But I think there's Crazy Joe Biden. Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. But another theme that Trump continually returns to is talking about people's 
heights. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he alternates between little and little for some reason. I think it's important to point out that Trump is six foot three. Yes. There's a height obsession here for a reason. He clearly thinks like that's something he has going for him. Mm-hmm. He looks in the mirror and says, <laughs> I can reach the top <laughs> shelf, man. I can, I can reach the top shelf. So right now, Trump is one of only a few people who have announced his candidacy for 2024. Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley has also announced there's some people who you'll never have even heard of who have announced. He is not particularly or at all concerned about the Nikki Haley's and the people you haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. One person he is clearly very concerned about running against is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who we should note hasn't officially announced his candidacy, mm-hmm. but all the signs are there, particularly that he just had a memoir. And if you're running for president, you have to put out a memoir. So in terms of nicknames, Trump has mostly exclusively been calling Ron DeSantis Ron Sanctimonious. He's been doing that publicly, and he's been doing that online, on Truth Social, mm-hmm. in speeches. Apparently, behind the scenes, he has been calling him Meatball Ron. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> but a new report was out, I think, over the weekend that he's also considering Ron Dishonest. Ron de establishment as mm-hmm. opposed which I think should just be de establishment. I don't know if it needs the de and then establish. You know what I, I mean? I agree. I agree. It's repetitive. And then the big one that's caught people's eyes is tiny D. Which is about his height. I mean, uh, DeSantis is like 5'8 to 5'10. The thing with Trump giving people these derogatory nicknames is he clearly wants to psychologically mm-hmm. hurt them. He wants the nicknames to resonate. He wants it to mm-hmm. stick. And so the thing about seemingly calling out Ron DeSantis on being shorter than your average president, which we should note, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to only elect people who are tall as president. I think the... I think the shortest president in the last few years has been like 5'11", maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Many over six feet. It appears that Ron DeSantis may internally have a Mm hang-up on his height, hence this footwear that seems to give him at least an extra two inches. Like most people do to elongate the leg to create (laughs) a little optical illusion, will wear a block heel. So I think it works on both levels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then in terms of whether or not Tiny D could also be a reference to the size of Ron DeSantis' generals, if you think, if you want to say, like, best, Donald Trump wouldn't go there. (laughs) He would never do such a thing that's so immature, all the adjectives. Maggie, he would. He would. He would. So... During the 2016 election, there were a few references to a long-running joke about Donald Trump having smaller-than-average hands. I believe he was referred to as the short-fingered Bulgarian. I believe, maybe we can factor this, but I think it's true, that Trump once printed out an article from Spy Magazine talking about the size of his hands and then outlined his hand in Sharpie and was like, see... 
average size or bigger than average size. Anyway, this came up on the campaign trail. And during one of the 2016 debates, Trump held up his hands and he was like, see, they're not small. And you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was, you know what else isn't small? Yeah. That's not small. And I think he said, I guarantee there's no problem there. And then another time he was talking about this stuff was reportedly former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham said in her book that he once called her from Air Force One to, quote, assure her that his penis was not small or toadstool-shaped as the porn star Stormy Daniels had alleged, end quote. So would he go there about Ron DeSantis? Yes, he would. I feel like I have to pour bleach in my ears after being reminded Eyes, of all ears, this. <laughs> soul. <laughs> it's so, awful. So what do you think it is about this like schoolyard bully persona? Yeah. Well. That he continues to do. Like, why is he continuing with this at this point in the game? He's been president. Right. He feels threatened by these people, specifically a certain meatball. Sure, sure. A certain meatball. I think one of our producers actually said that they thought it was Ron de Meatball. And I actually, you know, a lot of people seem to like Meatball Ron. I think John Oliver is saying, hey, that's actually a really good nickname. <laughs> but I would posit that Ron de Meatball is even better. It's mean, of course. <laughs> of course. It's of not course. nice. But I like Ron de Meatball versus Meatball Ron. I Meatball to Sanchez, whatever it is, whatever the hell it is. I like Ronda Meatball. Anyway, to answer your question, it's not a persona. This is right. who he is. Yeah. He's a schoolyard bully. Mm-hmm. That's who he was for the first 70 years of his life. Mm-hmm. That's who he was as president. That's who he continues to be. It's it's not an act by any means. So these are just his instincts. But he reportedly also thinks that he, one, might be able to convince DeSantis not to run by scaring him Mm -hmm. about, you know, what's in store. And this is a little preview. Mm -hmm. Or he thinks that he can damage him through these taunts, through attacking him in other ways if DeSantis does, in fact, run. And I would assume that (laughs) none of this will get it. I I don't think he's going to look at this and say, all right, I'm not running for president. (laughs) But it could damage him. I mean, Trump has won a GOP nomination before. So these nicknames, who do they resonate with? Why is this appealing to Trump's base? You know, doesn't resonate with a lot of people. But I do think that there are people who voted for him last time and would vote for him again in part because they think, you know, he's this tell it like it is strong man who isn't afraid to insult people or whatever it is. And for some reason, there's some people who think that's a great trait in Mm -hmm. a president. I feel like there's people who think when Trump was president, the world respected us and we stood up to the rest of the world. And so while millions of people see this and think it's completely absurd and should be disqualifying there definitely seems to be a segment of the population that thinks it's great that Trump does this shit. Inside the Hive will be back in just a moment to discuss how Trump's vision of manhood is affecting the Republican Party. Hi, it's Radhika Jones, editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines... 
subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. Thank you very much. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. So, Fess, as a politics correspondent covering the GOP, how do you think this is affecting the rest of the party and the conservative movement? Because of Trump, he's moved the party into this ridiculous way of talking about people. I think his (laughs) representative, Ronnie Jackson, said the other day, Joe Biden had a small cancerous lesion removed from his chest. And he was asked about it on TV. And he said something like, that's not the cancer we need to worry about. The cancer we need to worry about is Joe Biden and something like excising him from America. And it's like, this is like, like, what? Who talks like this? Mm. And Trump has so moved them in terms of the discourse. Did I say discourse earlier? But (laughs) how they talk. And so... Yes, in terms of the insults, that's obviously there. But this whole idea of these toxic, toxic men who are also obsessed with this idea of masculinity has pervaded the party. You know, you have Senator Josh Hawley, who has a book coming out. I don't really want to, you know, promote it, but he has a book coming out this May. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Let's look it up. I'm looking it Shall up. Look and it my up? computer is being very loud. <laughs> Can you like do a little tune while I'm Josh Hawley? The Jeopardy book. music? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Do. Oh, here it is. It's called Manhood The Masculine Virtues America Needs by Josh Hawley. Did Chat GPT write that <laughs> title or what? Possibly. And let me just give you the little blurb on it from Amazon. Uh, blah, blah, blah. U.S. Senator for the state of Missouri argues that the character of men and the male virtue that goes along with it is a necessary ingredient to a functioning society and a healthy free republic. A free society that despises manhood will not remain free. So he is coming from the point of view that as society has become more inclusive, this has infringed on the existence of men. And that's not okay. And I guess his book will tell you what you need to do to reclaim your place in the world or in America, certainly. And then, you know, Tucker Carlson for a very long time. A few months ago, he had a special on Fox Nation called The End of Men. And basically the thesis was that society is on the brink of collapse. Something ominous is happening to men in America. 
Everyone who pays attention knows that. Kind of like Holly's idea, because men are being emasculated both socially and biologically. Biologically, because their testosterone levels are lower. And socially, obviously, because, you know, women can work and <laughs> and trans women can use women's bathrooms and things like that. And that it's up to conservative men to reassert their dominance. If you heard about this, if this sounds at all familiar, this special, it's probably because it introduced to viewers the idea that they should be tanning their testicles, um, <sighs> which a man featured in this special claims will raise your testosterone levels. Obviously, the science is not clear on that one. So obviously half the viewers right now are like, what? That's testicle tanning? That's crazy. But my view is, okay, testosterone levels crash and nobody says anything about it. That's crazy. And other recommendations included chugging raw eggs as an antidote to what one person referred to as, quote, soy globalism, which is apparently a silent enemy that sickens people through, I guess, globalist food, whatever that is. There were also very bold claims that feeding your baby formula will affect its gender development. Hashtag, that's not true at all. Um, <laughs> Anti-vaxxer RFK Jr. made an appearance. It's just, there were many gratuitous shots of near-naked men lifting heavy objects, which apparently is one of the most important things one can do if they want to prove they're a real man. Picking something hard to do every day will increase your testosterone. We need a renaissance. Getting into a healthier state, being a healthier person. That's when you really start to see. Um, it's not just that these Republicans want men to be a certain way. It's also that they want women to be a certain way. Yes. And that means if you live in certain states like Texas, that means you have to give birth to a child potentially against your will. That's why you see all these anti-abortion bills sweeping the country. Yeah, and back to DeSantis. Didn't you just write that yesterday he had signed uh, the six He says week? he will sign it. He will sign it, okay. Yeah, Florida has put forth a bill mm -hmm. that will make abortion, which is currently legal in Florida, up to 15 weeks, down to six weeks, mm -hmm. which, as many people know, you might not even know you're pregnant right. at six weeks. And I think this... GOP idea of masculinity is clearly, I think, you know, they've mostly said it in reaction to this more inclusive society. And that's then also why you see so many anti-trans bills, because if you're a trans man, if you're a trans woman, that they feel is an attack on their own. Their own identity? Their, their own, own identity. You know, it's wrapped up in the supposed we're protecting the children, but obviously this doesn't really have anything to do with children. And then, of course, you have the anti-drag show mm -hmm. ridiculousness, which is, I guess, it's not okay for a man to wear a dress. Although, you know, for instance, in Tennessee, the governor who recently banned certain drag shows, he did not want to talk about the fact that there's a yearbook photo of him wearing a dress and possibly heels. But as he said... It's not the same. Ugh. That was a lighthearted high school tradition. That's not the same thing. I mean, wait until these guys get a load of high fashion. Oh, Tom God. Brown has made a killing off of dressing athletes, actors, yeah. all kinds of notable names in kilts that are beautifully designed. Beautiful. You've seen men in dresses on magazine covers from Harry Styles to people on the red carpet. Yeah. Just. Well, and also, as many people have noted with irony, it's interesting because Ron DeSantis, he's also very, very anti-drag show. And mm -hmm. yet he likes a high heel. 
<laughs> I'm just, just saying. I'm here for it. I'm learning a lot. This episode of Inside the Hive was produced by Will Coley. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. We had engineering assistance from Jake Loomis and Jennifer Nelson. For more news from Inside the Hive, please be sure to sign up for our newsletter at vanityfair.com forward slash newsletter forward slash hive. And let us know what you thought of this episode or if you have any comments or questions. Tweet at us while you still can. I'm at Beth Levin. And I'm at Maggie Coglin. Join us again next week for another episode of Inside the Hive where Wall Street, Washington, and Silicon Valley meet. So like my jaw is sore from talking. For, I, like, I realize I don't straight. talk that much anymore. Me neither. So I'm it's not around crazy. like as many people as I used to be. Yeah. <laughs>